That's wait, a problem. Uh, wait, we're keeping this in? We're trying again to correct a thing that should be cut? Yeah. Why? Because... <laughs> Because it's great bonus material. Is it? <laughs> Can be. Triggery bonus material? No, okay. Oh my god. <laughs> Alright, fine. We'll try that again. <laughs> Welcome to Back in the Field. My name is Carl. And my name is Arthi. And today we're going to be touching on lockdown and USPIS, or USPIS. Yeah, we accidentally didn't get last week's episode out uh, because of technical, technical difficulties. Problems. Yeah, um, but it was—you'll you'll hear it eventually. Yeah, I'll put it together probably over the weekend since it's a long weekend. Happy Thanksgiving, audience! If you're an American audience, Happy American Thanksgiving. Yes, turkey may taste like napkins, but you know there are worse things in life, like the treatment of the indigenous peoples after Thanksgiving. The pilgrims were murderers. Uh, everyone is murderers if they're white. Hashtag. Um, so, we since we didn't get locked down out in time, <laughs> what this went to a really weirdly dark place. We're just gonna we're gonna like zoom through those two episodes, and then Khan, I want to talk about real life. Mm-hmm. We're gonna talk about real life stuff. If you want out after that, no harm, no foul. Just stop listening. We literally cannot control your earphones. Yeah, yeah. Your iPod is yours, man. Cool. So lockdown. Our our general impression was meh. Should we recap the episodes? I mean, basically what happened in lockdown is that everyone was stuck in the precinct because of reasons and... Yeah. We we have... You'll you'll hear the episode eventually. Carl and I are very meh, meh to negative. We're pretty sure this was, like, thrown together last minute because, again, Eva Longoria came on and everyone was like, hands in the air. Oh, no. Um, papers flying. As for us, this, this week's episode... In the A-plot, Rose's task force has a lead in yeah. that there's this key that two different Giggle Pig distributors have been found on, like, had on them when they were arrested, and the key is, it's like a weird butterfly key, and it's got USPS engraved on it. So Jake and Charles are tasked by Rosa with taking the key to USPIS, that is the United States Postal Inspection Service, uh, a federal agency, and where they meet Jack Donger, played by Ed, Ed Helms. Uh, who is a, a inspector for the Postal Service. Uh, shenanigans. Uh, Jake oversteps. The federal agency tries to take authority over the case. Rosa gives Jake a dressing down. Jake apologizes to both Jack and Rosa. There's a raid. It's pretty awesome. In the B-plot, Amy has been trying to quit smoking, but has instead been smoking more and more and more, and is going basically insane. So... Holt and Terry and Gina all try and fail different means to help her stop smoking. Mm-hmm. That's about it. Yeah, that's basically... Yeah, there's no C-plot. The C-plot is that cold open. In the cold open, uh, Scully accidentally gargles thumbtacks. Uh, also, they tr- <laughs> Scully and Hitchcock trick the precinct into believing that Scully's birthday came and passed. And therefore get, like, 20 bucks out of each person. It's like a, it's like a hundred fifty dollars there. Yeah, yeah, not like, bad for thirty minutes work. Yeah, I wish I could make that kind of money in thirty minutes. Well, maybe you should be a con woman. You know, I couldn't pull off that leverage life. Yeah, no. Anyway, so there's a couple. There's only a couple things that we want to focus on in USPIS. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like calling it USPIS. Yeah, I mean, it makes it seem like a, a donger. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> that was pretty badass. Uh, we're receiving the promised Rosa in command plotline now. She's a major... She's leading the task force. She's leading it well. She's she's focusing her officers, and she's really trying to take command. And that drives a lot of the tension of the episode, because Jake hasn't really gotten it yet. Um, I, I really liked seeing this, um, because Rosa very successfully code switches to a position of command, which is subtle, as you would expect it to be. It's, uh, it was a nice also reminder of this being a workplace comedy, because sometimes your friends get promoted above you, and that can be weird and a little contentious, and in a command-driven organization like fake NYPD, uh, this is important. Like, you know, being able to follow command is really important. And um, and that can create tension. And I like that they... I like that they brought in this tension without it... without playing it, like, too deep. Like, too obvious, I guess. Like, too, too, too easily. Because, like, it would be really easy for, like, Jake to respond similar to Amy when in, um... What was that episode? I always mess up the episode. Sal's Pizza? When she and Rosa go off to Ropesburg? Yeah, I think they just sell pizza. Yeah. And, like, I like that they have Jake take a different tack, which is just that Jake can't remember that Rosa's in command. Which, A, very much in keeping his character. And, B, uh, like, uh, it, it reminded me that this is a workplace comedy. Also showed Jake's growth since uh, Emmy time, when he couldn't, like... In the beginning of season one, the entire thing was that Jake couldn't handle anyone being in a position of authority over him. Mm-hmm. He couldn't be a secondary, like, and he couldn't wear a tie, right? And now he just, you know, he needs to be reminded and it's easy for him to see his way to the correct facing towards Rosa. Mm -hmm. I do hope, however, that the conflict between Amy and Rosa over the fact that Rosa's really obviously being groomed for command comes back. Because I'd like to see Amy's growth as well. I I was just thinking the other day about how I would also, kind of building off of both those points, I would also like to see Amy and Jake get partnered up on a case again and have Amy be explicitly told that she's the primary. Yeah. Jake always is the primary and he always makes the wrong choice. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like, yeah, I'm not going to complain about lockdown. It's too easy. But I would like to see that. I think it being a callback... I mean, in season one, in that episode, Amy's like, he's the worst secondary. And I like to sort of see that come back and explore it some more. Especially now that we know that Amy's been around for years, as yep. opposed to months. Sorry. Yeah. I know. I'm, I'm forever angry about that. I, you, we were talking before the recording started about how Rosa being groomed for command is interesting. But you also wanted to talk about Boyle in this episode. Sure. Well, Boyle and Jake, right? Mm-hmm. Like They're full fancy breadgumming here. I kind of love it. They're good friends. Uh, it's, I was just heart, eyes, emoji all over this about their friendship. It's nice. And so one way we can bring in lockdown here to give people their lockdown fix if they need it is <laughs> that in the last episode, Boyle was way back to his early season one characterization. Mm-hmm. And early char- season one, Boyle was awful. That was the plot. And and the result was that no one respected Boyle, because he was doing nothing respectable. In this episode, we're back to the, you know, ancient affection between the two of them 
the kind of unquestioning mutual support. Like, even in his plan where all his Indian entire precinct gets, except for him, gets replaced by a Robocop, Boyle's still there in a backpack. <laughs> like, I love their best friendship. I love so much. But I think what I liked a lot in this episode also is that when Jake is getting increasingly frustrated, Boyle does the, like, excellent, like, good partner thing and, like, good friend thing of stepping in and trying to defuse the situation. Like, specifically, when Jake, like, loses his cool and he's like, you're not ATF, you're not DEA, why should I care about you? Mm -hmm. Boyle's like, let's talk about maybe something else that could help the case. And, like, like he asks the important question of who has access to these keys. Right. Like, Which is good detective work. Better detective work would have been reminding Jake that uh, taking classified information off a federal computer is a crime. <laughs> I mean, he, Boyle, he tried He tried to step him back from that, but... Yeah. Uh, I feel like, like he could have predicted Rose's specific complaint that, hey... You committed a federal crime and now our investigation is compromised because, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Boyle is writing that fine line between people-pleasing and doing his job well. Yeah. Like, I I will say, though, so since, you, since we keep doing this lockdown comparison, I felt like in lockdown, the narrative went out of its way to, to validate Amy's position. Yeah. And I feel like the narrative in this episode doesn't do that for Rosa, one, thank God. It doesn't go out of its way to right. validate her. It, it's And she's actually correct from the get-go. Yeah, like, she's always right, and there's no reason for us to doubt that. Yeah. That, I, that might have been mishandling in lockdown, but in this case, like, Rosa's in control. She's not the butt of any jokes, because she's in control. She's doing everything right and, like, you know, trying as as hard as she can to get her people in line. Mm-hmm. Like, she's even appropriately using, like, Scully and Hitchcock. Because, <laughs> you know, they're, they're like, old and broken and useless. But they do have CIs. Yeah. And also, like, when they were kind of useful, it was in a horrible, corrupt era that involved leaning on people. So make them lean on their CIs. <laughs> Uh, yes, I. What I was going to say was this is the second episode in a row where we've seen like Jake's. Jake makes really good points in lockdown. He's like, we need to keep everyone like appeased and like you know keep the morale high. And this one, he's like waiting. Like I. When something gets compromised in a drug ring, they're going to burn down everything that could make it lead back to something. Exactly, and he brings that up, and he's really like he's smart about it. And so like yeah, what what Jake did was wrong, but like. The point is, he can be smart, and he can say something correct without being right. Right. Or, correct. Uh, you have a point. I've really, I've really trapped you. Excellent points, Carl. I, hearts. And also, <laughs> no, I, this is the second episode where that happened, and I, I don't know, I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking back to Emmy time, where everything Jake was suggesting was just, like, lazy. Yeah. You know? And and I feel I feel like this episode has a lot of easy throwbacks to Emmy time in a really positive way. As in being able to see Jake sort of his growth and his like improvements sure. as a cop and human being. Should we talk about Amy? A she, bit. I mean I don't want to really. Amy's clearly breaking up with Teddy. She can't even tell him about her major vice. Yeah, and it's smoking. She like, feels like hiding it? Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know. And no way she's that excited about bottling day. I'm sorry. Also, you can't hide that you're... I mean, like, 
She's progressed from an occasional cigarette to, like, in this episode, she's a smoker. It is portraying her as someone who, like, doesn't smoke occasionally. Um, right, which is really... I was thinking about this, like, she was portrayed as just being, like, an occasional smoker. Like, when she was stressed out or whatever. Yeah, and, I guess and she's and stressed this, out. And this validates that, like, she's stressed out because she wants to stop this, which is making her, like, want to smoke more because she associates those two states. Um... But if that's the way it is, like, you can't hide you're a smoker from someone that you kiss. Yeah, I I will never forget the cutest boy in my sophomore Spanish class. He was on the football team, and he played varsity football. And I will never forget him talking to some of his friends that I sat next to. And uh, him saying something like, I could never date a girl who smokes. It's like kissing an ashtray. And and yes, it is in fact like that. Ugh. Yeah, like, I mean, also, like, the smoke's in her clothes. Yeah, that smells the, 16. My dad's been a smoker since I was, since before, since he was young. Since he was my age, probably. Younger. And, like, it, it sticks to your clothes. It gets into all your skin. Like, my, there's no hiding it. My favorite garment, my favorite article of clothing that I own, and po- possibly my favorite possession, is um, this leather jacket that I wear all the time. That brown one? Yeah. I love that jacket. It's, uh, it's an old bomber jacket. It's, uh, like... A few, uh, like, five years back we got it restored, and it's still, like, it's it's covered in, like, scars and stuff, and, and it's uh, coming up in a bunch of places, and it's got, like, a million percent of character, um, because it was my uncle's. He was a smoker, um, which, like, six-year-old me gave him forever shit for, and it, like, the smell of smoke came out of that jacket, like, six years later. Yeah, I mean, my... My dad's had his clothes cleaned repeatedly. All of his jackets smell like smoke. Like, there's no getting away from that. Yeah. And it's not, like, necessarily, like... Cigarette... For the record, though, cigarettes smell awful. Pipes, though, don't smell as bad. Yeah, it, it, it depends on the way that, that, like... And the lingering smoke that gets in the clothes is not as bad as the actual cigarettes. Yeah. Um, but it's not hideable. No. Um, like... There's a degree of, of dishonesty in this relationship, and that indicates that there's it's just going nowhere. Um, I mean, even even the fact that like it seems like she's having to smoke more even before she was trying to quit because she didn't want to hide it from Teddy. You know? Yeah. Whatever. Everything about her relationship with Teddy, the three percent of it that we've seen, seems to be headed like south. This the the feel. My feeling of the B plot is that um, it had some great jokes, but it felt there were a number of things that were weird about it. Like, why is Holt the one who solved his addiction with exercise when Terry also had an addiction to food and being too fat? Help me out here, show. How's that work? Because it seems like Terry exercises 100% of his time, including when he's asleep. It seems to me that he's the one who replaced one addiction with another one, show. Uh... (laughs) You might want to look into that. Though, I will say, I I tweeted during our live tweet of this that I did like seeing Terry trying to mentor Amy a little bit. Yeah. And that's been something I've been wanting all season. His mentorship never works. Like, when he tries to solve someone's personal problem, it never works. It works I, for Jake. There's a, no, so there's a middle episode that I'm, I'm forgetting, but in this kind of, you have a life problem, here's how I solved it, didn't work for Boyle. With uh, the plates. The plates. 
didn't work for Amy with a tub of ice water. There was a middle thing. I'm forgetting what it was. When they did... I feel like they've done this, you have a life problem, here's three incorrect solutions. I think they've done that more than twice. <laughs> I thought there were some really, really funny bits. I thought that uh, the camera work with them going into the ice was hilarious. Marshall Moon tweeted out behind-the-scenes pics of that, by the way, of the I production gotta, team doing it, of, I, like, putting the episode together. <laughs> I gotta see that. They were so great. Oh, God. Heart, shout out to Marshall Boone. You got you are so supportive, and we love that. I love that. I'm not going to speak for Carl. I love that. Thank you, Marshall Boone. Thank you very much. Would you like to be on our podcast? Yes, that is, an, <laughs> in fact, an open invitation. You follow me and Back in the Field on Twitter. Please just DM us. Hearts. Heart. Heart eyes emoji. Okay. I'm pretty much done with... I mean, the only thing is, my favorite line of the episode is still, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. Well, you didn't actually talk about Boyle and... Oh my god, Boyle! No, well, like how the dynamic among Jake and Boyle and Donner works. Oh yeah, we should definitely touch on that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in... Well, this is your point, so... Right. My, my thing here is that, as I... So I watched this episode four times sort of half by accident, half by design. And one, this episode improves on rewatch. So audience, I want to hear you guys' speculation on why, I, maybe why I feel like that. <laughs> maybe you feel like that. I hope you feel like that. If you feel like that, tell us why. For me, one of the things that I noticed on multiple rewatch is that what I was telling you before the show, which is that I really like Jake playing the straight man against everyone else's like very strong and vibrant personalities. Like, you mentioned Sarge's exercise craziness and Mm -hmm. Amy's neuroses and Rosa's sort of hyper-minimalist badassery, you know, and and Charles's inherent weirdness. Uh, Gormlessness is the word you've used once that I love. I did? Yeah. When did I use gormlessness on this podcast? I don't remember, but you used it last season and it was great. Five points for the person who can track that down. (laughs) Not well, redeemable for currency. You, Not acceptable in the state of Rhode Island. Actually redeemable for a shout-out on the podcast. Oh, really? Cool. It's an easy, that's easy five points. Shout-out to Anon. <laughs> if you're anonymously submitting that, please sign it, Jesus. <laughs> or, or just say something that we should shout-out. Yeah. My point was that I like seeing Jake played straight, and and I think it works really well when he's got a strong personality to sort of react to. And in this episode, Jack Donger, I can't even say that name correctly, ends up being this, like, weird Jake Charles amalgam character, where I remember every time I watched it, like, the Sousa thing reminded me of of Jake and Charles in Emmy time. And Charles putting musicals on the... Stereo. On the stereo. Yeah, that's from Emmy time. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, um... Jack's, like, inherent, like, my job is so awesome, is very reminiscent of Jake. You know, he always wants to take control of the situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, like, you know, Jake's definitely the type of cop who'd be like, haha, you're an MTA cop, I'm a real detective. Like, which is rude as hell, but also, like, a thing Jake would probably do. The thing is that Jake doesn't force that confrontation here. Mm-mm. Donger forces all the confrontations. hmm But what really comes through is that everything that Donger does... Boyle would do. Like, yeah. he says weird and appropriate things and then kind of laughs about them. The, what was the, what was the line? I'm going to grab some muffs with some bloops. Uh, I'm going to go grab a muff and some bloops, yeah. <laughs> and it's, 
It's awful. It's horrible. Uh, he's he's full of like conversationally inappropriately specific facts. And even and Boyle even like plays into it a little bit where he's like, "Did you know Franklin was the one who introduced Parmesan cheese in the U.S.?" Uh, like as a counterpoint to the idea that this is the most important thing that Franklin ever did for for America, which guys. <laughs> Not the most important thing Benjamin Franklin has ever done. No, no. guys, come on. <laughs> and Jake's face during that conversation is a thing of beauty. I think the reason I like Jake being played straight so much is because he gets this beautiful... He, first of all, Sandberg is so exp- expressive. Like, not on level with Melissa Fumero. I think she is much more expressive. But when when Jake is having his, oh my god, you're both insane, like, facial expressions, it's it's even funnier Boyle has this a couple times too. When Jake boils it up with Rosa at the beginning, like a brassiere. Boyle's like, <laughs> I think that Boyle's feeling this episode is like, did anyone else become me? Who am I now? Yes. <laughs> Do I exist? Am I a dream that everyone's been having? <laughs> kind of. Am I a butterfly? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I I felt that Jack Dunger was a. I feel like they used Ed Helms as well as they could. Mm-hmm. I just also think they wrote his character to be some bizarre, bizarro Jake Boyle hybrid creature. Yeah, and it worked out. It I, does. I like. I ended up liking him more than I liked Andy on The Office. So, yes, uh, Andy Bernard. I also, I also feel like kind of building off of this. I think I, I hope that they play Jake straight, more straight, as the season progresses because I, I think it's funnier. Except with Holt. I think Jake should be the insane crazy person with Holt. Well, everyone takes... One of the one of the things about the show is that everyone takes turns being the straight person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, the, and against the zany person. Like, even Holt has, has had his turn doing that with, like, Terry. Exclusively Terry. But crazy. Oh, and Gina. Yeah. Yeah. I was um, going to say. But that's his inner circle. But you're right in that regard. I just think, I, watching this kind of made me realize that I think they've been leaning on Jake being the zany one a little too hard. And, um, I mean, LaToya over at the AV Club was was saying, I think, in lockdown that playing Jake too zany doesn't really work for her. And I'm starting to... I, I definitely agree because I think, I think playing Jake zany overwhelms the other characters because it's really easy to lean on because that's... I mean, that's Sandberg's style, right? It's kind of a little crazy. Yeah. I'm done talking about this episode. Sure. Uh, so, we're going to be going into discussing Ferguson now. So, if... That's not your jam. Bye. It was fun. Uh, but we feel that we have to. Yeah. We we talked about it last, last season. We talked about it... That was last season, huh? Yeah. It was before Charges and Specs, yeah. So, for... I'm, I'm sure you're all aware of this. I hope because there's no one listening to this who isn't on Tumblr or Twitter. And the, even I, when I was, I put out a tweet from our right. our podcast Twitter about how me Arthi was, I was doing a lot of RTing about this. So hopefully you guys checked out my timeline that night. Yeah, we're recording this on Wednesday. The episode came out on Sunday. On Monday, the grand jury in Missouri announced that they were not going to indict Officer Darren Wilson. Which meant that, not that they were finding him guilty or innocent, but just that they didn't think that there needed to be a trial. Which, Darren Wilson shot Mike Brown 12 times. From 150 feet away, right? Yeah. Isn't that half a football field? It's 50 yards. 
football, f- yeah. I mean, it it's um, for there not to be a trial is an obscene miscarriage of justice, and is completely symptomatic of the way that cops are protected by the government in Missouri, specifically in America generally. It's what eight out of eleven times a cop shoots a civilian. The grand jury will refuse to indict. Yeah, I mean, I don't have the specifics on that. Uh, I haven't actually read the article. Like the articles are saying that what the grand jury did specifically is very rare, except in cases like this. Oh, is that the case? Okay. That that that's what um, Vox five thirty eight and I think maybe uh, Economist are reporting. Okay. So it's very common for police officers and unheard of for everyone else. Yeah. Surprise. And the reason we're talking about this is because this is a cop show, and this is a police issue. And, you know, in this episode, when Jake is mouthing off to Rosa, he says that maybe they should confront the idea that the war on drugs is not worth the human cost of him having to talk to someone annoying. When, in a drug raid, a police officer... So, I'm trying to recall this fact without looking it up, and I can't separate whether Ayanna Stanley Jones was the infant who was who was badly burned or the child sleeping on the couch who had their chest caved in with a smoke grenade. Because both those things happened within a couple of weeks of each other. This weekend, three black people were killed by the police. One man who was a janitor in an unlit stairwell. A 12-year-old child who had a pellet gun was killed by a cop. A, I think, 37-year-old woman, and I haven't read that story because, you know, there's only so much time to bring this kind of horror into your life. And I can only say that because I'm white and I will never be shot by a cop. There's so many mental burdens that people of color carry in America because, um... If they ask a cop for directions, they might die. Yeah, and and I, for what I, I mean, I have the marginal fortune of not having to experience that. My a privilege is that I can get away from the internet and not have to have this sort of, I can take a break, is what I'm saying. Like, I can just be like, I can't look at Twitter, I can't look at Tumblr, for Facebook, whatever, for a couple of days, because my mental health cannot handle it. It is not my lived experience constantly. Yeah. And that is, I recognize that privilege in me. The show tries to deal with this in, in roundabout ways sometimes. And like, the cast does too. I, yeah. I want to give credit where credit is due. The cast is good about being honest when they're asked. About how, like, yeah, it's something they take. I remember, because everything is done two weeks ahead before it goes to print or publishing, right? So, like, when... When we were talking about Ferguson on the podcast, a couple of weeks later, all the interviews that the cast had been doing around the same time finally got printed. And and I will give the cast and the producers the credit they are due. They are trying to be thoughtful in the show. And in, in talking about... And, and just existing alongside real-life events that are not funny. Yeah. They're not unconscionable. But that said, we are, I mean, this is a, as much as this is a workplace comedy, this is also a police show, you know? Can't, they, you said they made a conscious choice to set this in a police precinct. I mean, it's the same thing that, that one Anon was saying with us. It's like, 
why does everyone want Jake to have PTSD from his time undercover? It's like, this is a comedy. And, like, yeah, I want the most dramatic option at all times. But I also recognize that's out of genre. Yeah. I mean, I was in Union Square when the protest in New York went past. That's where it originated and then marched up 7th. Um, and I um, was... I, I marched uh, yesterday when it went... Uh, so, uh, Arthur's talking about the protest the night of the... On Monday night, yeah. On Monday night, the night of the grand jury decision. And I'm talking about the next night where um, they marched uh, across the city towards the Holland Tunnel. And um, I, I left about two hours into it, but... Um, yeah, and I gotta... I gotta give you, like, some serious props, because... The protest went past me, and I had every opportunity to jump in, and I didn't. Yeah. I mean, I I planned to be there, and I knew it was going to happen, but it was still, like, you know, it was it was hard. I, I keep thinking about how... I keep thinking about how we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights... And among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I keep thinking about all these lofty ideals that we've built this country on. About about we the people, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. We're not doing those things. And miscarriages of justice like these, the ones you named and the thousand other ones that have been happening uh, both reported and not reported all the names that Francesca Ramsey uh, Tuscally she tweeted a ton of black bodies that have been killed this year that have been killed since Mike Brown Yeah, 114 days I think is what we're at possibly just, it, was, it was August um. I just think about all of these and I think about Think about how this is not the America I want to live in. This is not the America I believe in. But it's the only America that's ever existed. In the end, the reason we chose to do this is because we're providing free publicity for a show about the New York City Police Department. Ignoring it is irresponsible. Yeah. And, you know, we hope that our listeners will also be conversant with this. Because at one point, an online poll reported 70% of America thinking the grand jury not indicting was the right call. You know that was because of 4chan, right? Sure. I mean, do you think the 4chan is not the result of, like, the the white supremacy complex in America? They 100% are, but them creating bots to skew the vote is not... It's part of white supremacy. Which is a poison that infiltrates every corner of American life and every, and it's part of anti-blackness, which poisons discussions all over the world. And if we don't talk about it everywhere, we're never going to make any headway on it. Yeah. So. It's, it's like you just said, we, we're talking about cops. Ignoring news about cops is irresponsible. Like, I talked to a couple of the patrol cops by the protest like beat cops and like one I think they're not allowed to say anything given that she gave me the most non-answer answer yeah and two 
Because, well, she said not all cops are like that. And I'm like, you're right. The problem is the ones that are painting the rest of you with that brush. And the problem is that there are enough cops that are like that, that that a black person is killed by the police every three days. Is it 28 hours or three days? I've heard both numbers. The second number I heard was in direct juxtaposition with the fact that in Jim Crow America, a black person was lynched every four days. I don't know if those accurate numbers are more accurate than Twitter numbers. No, my, my friend Ninja Ruski did a large write-up about rate of lynchings versus yeah. uh, cop killings. Co- for as spottily recorded as cop killings are, lynchings are even more spottily recorded. Yeah. The fact is that, you know, not every cop will kill a black person in their career. And not every cop would support someone who did. Every cop is a member of an organization that is putting up KKK numbers. We need that in mind going forward with this podcast. But that means that means you and I have to make a choice on air, I guess. Because last time we said we weren't going to bring in the real life too much into the show. Because the show clearly chooses to exist in, in its own little bubble. Which, fine. You know, that, that is a legitimate creative choice. Yeah. But we've been pretty good about not bringing in the outside. Like, this is, this doesn't, this is different. This is the national conversation. Right. This is different. The, the thing I want to, I mean, do we... I want them to be clear that I don't think this is an every episode feature. Sure. But I also want to be clear to them that we don't have the luxury of forgetting it. No, I I definitely agree. We should always bring it up when it's relevant and when it's, like, important when stuff like this is happening not talking about it is irresponsible especially given the show that we're covering and like what it's about right like just it'd be if we were reviewing i don't know like castle or law and order or something we should be having this conversation all the time like but those shows don't those shows actively try to be like we're in the real world ripped from the headlines blah 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 right and and i don't i don't want this to detract from what the show does well Sure. I mean, I guess, yeah, I, I, I think that we're talking about it this time because we had to talk about it. We, and we... We'll continue to do that. When we have to. Right. This, that isn't what this show is about. They've wrapped production for the year, right? Like, the last episode for the season is 2.11, and they've finished, they're, they finished recording 2.14, 2.15. I think there might be they might film one more episode, but for the most part, they're done. If we see something from the show to talk about this, it won't be for months. Sure, this show is going to handle this in the way it can mm-hmm. without breaking it through. Mm-hmm. I think that that is a legitimate choice. I think that they're brave for bringing in the amount of progressive humor that they do. Mm-hmm. I respect them for that. I, I like this show. I like what it's trying to do. It is shamelessly unmisogynist, and it is shamelessly anti-racist, and it's packaging it in a way that the average American will swallow. That's good. I mean, this is the poster child show for cops can be good people, and also part of something not not great, right? Yeah. Like... Jimmy Brogan and Podolsky last season 
Wunsch less so. I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be terrible for you to edit because I have no idea what we're doing. I mean, I'm probably not gonna cut out a lot. the The answer is there isn't a hard answer. We're and gonna the, have... and the answer is that this is a messy discussion. It's always going to be like messy and thorny and and ugly. It's just gonna be ugly. But like the fact is, like we have to talk about it. But I also think like I think I think the course that we've been staying. Like we, sh- I I think it's been healthy for us and how we contextualize the show, because I think I think if we forget it's a comedy, we do ourselves and the podcast and our listeners and everyone a disservice, right? Like even like the most serious thing that could happen to a cop, some one of them getting shot, is treated in the most like most. Uh, Boyle got shot and he got shot in the buttocks. And and it's played for laughs for like five episodes, you know. He gets a medal of valor, along with a horse. Like I think, yeah, I want them to tackle serious stuff sometimes, but I also think forgetting it's a comedy just is not supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. I think we have to keep bringing it up as things happen, especially in New York. I'm pretty plain-spoken, so I'm just going to be tactless, but we can't be downers about a comedy. Watch me. (laughs) I think that's a good place to end it. Sure. So for those of you who kept listening, uh, thank you. This has been Back in the Field. I'm Carl. My name is Arthi, and hopefully we'll be back next week with a little more lighthearted material, because it's Road Trip. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.